We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, in the building. Miss you in studio the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Y'all retired the, uh, the DCs. The DCs, yes. Cole took great, great uh, satisfaction in sending the DCs out to pasture. So the DCs are gone permanently. I have to go buy more kicks in a couple of weeks or so. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I got to get a rotation up now that the DCs are gone. So I got to figure out what I want here and there. Shout out to everyone again, giving me suggestions online. Producer Cole Bebe is in the booth, but I'm sure he'll still chime in from in there. Um, thank you for holding it down on Sunday's show and for the past month or so. People love Producer Cole Bebe. Yeah, y'all don't need me anymore. He's I, the biggest baby face on the show. <laughs> I'm going to go home. Cole can... Uh, Cole one day it's going to be you and Cole and people are going to be sad because it's going to be like no heel on the set. Yeah. It's going to be baby face or baby face. Yeah. It's like an old school Bret Hart match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a way you can go here. But yeah, nobody wants a complete baby face show. No, no, no. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it's been great. But now we're in the midst of Canelo week. We talked a little bit about Canelo and what it meant for his future and stuff to end the last show. But figured we'd focus on Canelo, everything about the week, single to mile, all that stuff to open up this show. We're also going to talk UFC 274. Just coming up this weekend, we'll have a full preview. And Ovin St. Prue will be joining us to close out the show today. So that's going to be fun, chopping it up with him. You know, facing Shogun again, I think you mentioned before the show, eight years. Eight years. Since the last time they fought. Why? He's fought everyone since then. I can't wait to ask like, him why. He's fought John Jones. Since <laughs> like, he's fought everyone. This is like a full circle moment. They they fought like on the way. Well, Shogun already been around for Yo, like a decade. Yes, but so he fought on the way up. Shogun was in the middle, and then now they're kind of fighting at the end to close the circle. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to pick his brain about that matchup. Before we dive into Canelo, the fight itself, give our predictions because I didn't give it on the last show. Single Mayo week, and it's always great. Mexican fans are already out here. Um, grand arrivals yesterday. Canelo fans, full force. Poor Bivol. There's no, no one here to see him. He's a, he's a man alone. So it's just all Canelo this weekend. 
And it got me thinking, Dre, been to your crib. I've been there for many a theme party. To this day, one of my favorites was the Mexican food theme party. <laughs> Everyone brought Mexican food. It might have been like around Single de Mayo yeah, a couple of years ago. It was. Great party. People are coming into Vegas for this fight. Good amount of people. People were just here last weekend. People will be back. We have so many things going on in Vegas. AW week coming up. Playing people hitting us up on Twitter saying they're going to be in town. This is our chance to shine. What is your go-to Mexican food spot in Vegas? Mex- go-to Mexican food spot? Uh... That people need to know about. Because again, if, if any of you guys are in town, Dre's brunch recommendations? Yeah. On point. I finally just tried a Bacchanal at, what is that, Caesars? The buffet? Oh, the Bacchanal buffet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was incredible. Told you. That was legit. I don't even eat seafood. And they had like the whole seafood spread and all, but the carving station, everything else, next level. Another good Dre recommendation on Told best you. buffet in town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Mexican food. If you want some, some good gourmet, you went there. We just went there. After the pandemic, we all went there. Uh, El Dorado Cantina in Tivoli Village. Yes, that was good. Banging enchiladas. They got mole enchiladas that are off the hook. Uh, the elote is always great. Um, but that's that's like my go-to spot right now. It depends on the palate, right? Like some days you want just trash like Roberto's and you just pull up and get you a quesadilla or some carne asada fries. You call it a day and your stomach hurts tomorrow. Please, if you are an adult and you're slightly inebriated, please be an adult and do not get fries. Keep it traditional. <laughs> get the carne asada nachos. And then let's rock out. Fry, fries are for like preteens. Nah, man. And like carne college asada, kids. I tear up some carne asada fries in a heartbeat. Nah, you need the, the nachos. So you have to dig in there with the fingers. No fork. Nah, I want the fork. And your fingers smell like sour cream for like eight hours after. Nah, nah. That, that sounds juvenile. <laughs> it's, um, it's delightful. I like my carne asada fries. But Roberto's, you know, you get your good quesadilla. It's, oh, you know, it might not have a great grade, health grade on the outside. The dirtier, the better quality of food. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good drunk food. Right? I hate Roberto's in North Las Vegas. Shout out to everyone over there. Man, like, you were playing with fire. What? It was delicious. Mm. That that red sauce had a little uh, extra something in it. Yeah, because someone walked in it <laughs> before it got to you. <laughs> but I'm with it. That's what it takes. But we we have some good Mexican food spots out here, and it's like there's what, there's one over here at the fashion show. That's actually pretty good. That one's not bad. It's 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 depending on what you get. Yeah. Taco y taco is like my go-to. Gosh. That's uh not too far from the strip in Henderson. That's legit. They have the um Al Pastor where they shave. Yes. Which is always key. If if you walk in and the Al Pastor is on the spigot and it's just <laughs> rotating, then you know, okay, I'm I'm in a yeah. decent spot. Yeah. Um, Tacos El Gordo is here on the strip now. That one's good too. But I, I grew up again, Rancho High School, shout out. Uh, Charleston and Bruce, the original Tacos El Gordo, nothing better than that. But no one, I am not telling you to go to Charleston and Bruce. No. So, so if you're in town and you go there, we're like, oh, Kel said this is the best. No, no, no. And you get robbed. Don't blame it on me. Go yeah. to the one on the strip. It's not that far off. Plus, you're going to keep all your money and your jewels. Yeah. So don't, don't go, don't go to the North Las Vegas. Don't risk your life for good Mexican food. That's, that's the story. And yo, that's me, key. me and my wife were big on it. We just love Mexican food, right? My wife thinks it's funny because it's like, it's hard. At a certain point, it all is like kind of the same stuff. Yeah. But you got to find your good spots. That's why I like El Dorado Cantina, which is more uh, gourmet. Same with Border Grill. Border Grill is in oh. LA Bay. 
the, the Mexican brunch at Border Grill. That's what I've been there like three times. <laughs> yeah. And they got an all-you-can-eat and an all-you-can-drink. You just buy them both. Oh, we took Big E there, Rhapsody. Yep. Oh, that was, yeah. That was, yeah. The, the, day, the, day, the day of the uh, the Crawford Porter fight, that's where we all went to. Yeah, eat. we've been there like three times And we ate now. everything multiple times. I Every can't wait time. to go back. Me Border too. Grill. Border, Border Grill. Grill. For a Mexican brunch. People are like, Mexican brunch? Oh, hell yes. Incredible. Hell yeah. Incredible. Pancake, the little pancake. Oh. Little, little tacos. And they just keep bringing them out. It's like, what you want to try next? Yep. It just never stops. Just do all you can eat. The shredded beef enchiladas? Yes. In, insane. And they're like, little tapas style. So you'd be like, oh, I'm not going to get full. So you order like 10 things. Then next thing you know, you're like, oh, you got to wheel me out of here. Yeah, and you know, we need to end this podcast. So I need to go We there. do got to go back. We still haven't even had a drink. No, since the baby was born. No, it's time. Oh, we got to go. I need spice. I'm a big spicy margarita guy. Oh, we're going. We're going there for brunch. Last time we were there, you couldn't drink. I know. Oh yeah, we're going. There. Yeah. We're going there this week. Uh, if you guys are in town for the fight, holla at us. You know where we'll be. Uh, we'll be right at the Mandalay Bay, and then no, yeah, like the Mexican food, like you said, it's it's everywhere out here. It's all all pretty decent. When I went back to New York. It was a drastic change. There ain't no damn Mexican food in New York. You're a lie. There's, There's like one. three. There's okay. like three spots. There's but like, I'm just saying, like, people go, there's yeah. Mexican food in New York. No, no, no. no. Nah, nah. I heard like one place in, Yeah, I heard like one place in Brooklyn is dope. But um, Los Tacos, number one, downtown 43rd, and Broadway. Um, fire. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, they have like three locations downtown. So, but I don't know. I go 43rd and Broadway. Always great. Again. They have the Al Pastor on the spigot. Yeah. So I walk in, I'll be like, uh, and they have something called a fried quesadilla. Change of life. Is, is that the open face quesadilla? Kind of. So they fry it first, uh-huh. deep fry it. It poofs up with the cheese inside. Then they open face yeah, it. Yeah, I've had that. Put the meat yeah. and every. Yeah. Yo, changed my life. Damn, I'm hungry. Yo. <laughs> I mean, this podcast has made me real hungry. You got to end hungry this. real quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if y'all are in town for the Canelo festivities or just coming through Vegas, um, in a couple weeks for AEW, check out the food, please. Like Vegas, the thing about Vegas is people love going out and drinking. They love uh, strip clubs sometimes, which I don't consider us a great strip club city. No, we're not. But people do. They come here and partake. Um, day clubs, they go to nightclubs, all that stuff. The best thing about Vegas is the food. Hands down. Because we got a little bit of everything. There's stuff here that you won't find anywhere else. Like, I can't go to the East Coast and get Hawaiian food. <laughs> no. Like, can't go to the East Coast, get Filipino food. Got bomb-ass pho. We got, like, er- everything you need to eat that is, like, incredible is in Vegas. So, uh, if you guys are coming through, you know, get, get like us, find a dope brunch, and make sure you plan most of your money to eat. And you'll have the best time ever in Vegas. Um, Singing the Mayo. I'm, I'm eating tacos after this now. I'm convinced. I've, I've talk, <laughs> talked myself into eating tacos after this because I'm hungry as hell. The fight itself, though. Like we mentioned, Fight Fancy here. The buzz is building for me. Even more so, it was weird. I was at Fury in London. And there was no buzz around that until fight day. And then it was 90,000 drunk. Yeah. Brits going crazy. This one, and, and that's one thing about even Floyd when he fought here. I don't know if it's a Vegas thing or if it's the Single of the Mayo, like um, Mexican Independence Day holidays, where the buzz carries throughout the entire week. Floyd open workouts would be crazy. Yeah. I remember Floyd Pacquiao open workouts. We, 
That was we nice. couldn't even get into like the lobby. It's too hot. Yeah, it was it was it was a mess. I was working for a news station. I had like my little stupid live recording book bag on. That shit was the worst. So, but Canelo's bringing that same vibe, and it's all week, and, and the Mexican fans are showing out all week. Canelo's going to be here for a while, right? But if we look at this, who's next to take the Mexican holiday? I don't know. That, that's We just I mean, saw Valdez lose. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we knew Valdez. Anybody who didn't know Valdez was losing on watching enough boxing. I like Oscar Valdez. I do, too. The only thing that didn't happen was Shakur didn't knock him out. But he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. Because he he's tough up, as hell. Yeah, that's it. But the next, I mean, it potentially, there's two guys. There's two guys that it could be. Um, and one, and it's going to be, a while. I don't know how long Canelo's going to be around to give them room to breathe. David Benavidez, who I actually just talked to yesterday. He's still 26 years old. Yeah, fighting next weekend. Yeah, he fights David Lemieux next weekend. Uh, he's you know he wants to fight Charlie, he wants to fight Caleb Plant, he wants to fight Canelo. I told me, me and him discuss it. The next eighteen months are big for him. Yep, he could be huge. And obviously Ryan Garcia, Ryan Garcia is your Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, Ryan, Ryan is perfect to take that. It's just a matter like Ryan's going to be in the same spot that Oscar was in, where the real Mexicans from Mexico will be like, <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. He's from America. He's American. Yeah. Mexican American is like, why don't you embrace him? And it becomes like a thing, right? Yeah. And that, uh, at least Oscar beat the brakes off of all the well, quote unquote real Mexicans. Uh, never forget Fernando Vargas. <laughs> Ferocious Fernando Vargas was like, I'm a real Mexican. And he, he was like, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to eat tainted meat. I'm going to take all the drugs and I'm going to beat Oscar De La Hoya. And Oscar De La Hoya blew his face up. Because <laughs> Oscar could fight. Yep. But that was always the dichotomy with Oscar Similar De La Hoya. Similar to Ryan. Yeah. People think it's sweet until you get in the ring. <clears throat> I want to see him versus Isaac Cruz. Isaac's talking a lot, and it's just like, Isaac is cool, and he's looked great. I think Ryan makes a statement, beats the brakes off of Isaac Cruz. The, but those are your two guys, in my opinion, right now. I mean, then you also have Ben Rodriguez, who's fighting on the zone on the card. But he's, oh, the smaller guys, are, it's really tough to, yeah. to like, take off. You got to get to, like, 130, 135. You got to be in that Juan Manuel Marquez, Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales. Uh, even Ruben Oliveira's back in the 60s and 70s, he was a bantamweight, but that was that division was just a murderous role. Yeah, loaded. But if you look at the future, you got to have somebody. The reason why Canelo is so appealing is because he's very unique looking, first of all. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's from Mexico and now, you know, payday, payday. Yeah. Now we got English speaking Canelo, which is the best version of Canelo. Yep. It's his final form. Yeah, so you have to have like a mixture. And I, Ryan obviously has that. He doesn't speak Spanish. That's going to be the thing that, that hurts him. It's so weird. For years, we're like, Canelo doesn't speak English. That's going to hurt. Start speaking English, the guy's going to move. Now, Ryan's like, he doesn't speak Spanish. Like, Spanish is fairly easy to pick up. Like, if you need, like, crude Spanish. Well, that's Ryan's going to need it because they're going to criticize. Like, if he tries to fight on Cinco de Mayo, this is going to be a problem with some people because they're going to be like, hey, you're not a real Mexican. You got to beat some other Mexican champions. So that like makes solidify, you a heel. To, to solidify <laughs> That's yourself what Floyd on the holiday. Did. Yeah. Floyd was like, yo, who's your Mexican? I'm coming to beat his ass <laughs> yeah. on Cinco de Mayo. I was like, damn, Floyd. And they took the holiday. Damn shit. He took. He Hijacked took, the holiday. Listen, he didn't just say Cinco de Mayo. He was like, you know what? I'll take Mexican Independence Day too. <laughs> and I was like, yo, biggest heel in the business. But that's how he did it. Out of spite. <laughs> just give me that day. Just a hateful human being. and just. <laughs> but he made it work. But that's what you got to do. Either you be the baby face or the heel. And he chose to be the heel. And that's what worked for him. So the future. Ryan Garcia, David Benavides are the two guys I'm looking at right now. 
I don't know if there's anybody else coming down. The Vargas kids are fighting next week on the Triller undercard. Yeah. All three of them. Emiliano Vargas is the real deal. Yeah, so it'll the be youngest. We'll see how they all progress. But right now, those are the only two names that I see as uh, the potential to carry single to mile. But it seems like Canelo's going to be here for a while. Is there anyone else that, like, rocks for holidays? I guess, right. like... Mm, nah. yeah, Puerto Rican Day Parade fights. And, oh, we do. You know, Berlanga's fighting. Yeah, Berlanga's fighting. I, I think Xander takes that. Yeah, like, Xander. Should, that should be Xander's to take off. Yeah, get, when Miguel Cotto did it. Oh, next 10 years, that's, that's Xander's. Tito Trinidad, like, they made it yep. a thing. I don't know. If Ber- nah, I, I don't know. He's not. Berlanga has the star power to, like, bring people out, go to the parade, lead the float. For now. Fat Joe, blah, blah. But, like, Xander. for now, in a year or two, it'll be all Xander. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so everyone we, will flock. Every Puerto Rican in in the U.S. and from the island will flock to New York. So, so we have Mexican and Mexican Independence Day. Yeah, we have Puerto Rican Day. We got the Black Holidays. No, we don't. Yeah, well, I was, I was about to get to that. De facto, we have every day is White People Day. Sure. <laughs> so you don't yeah. got to make a day. No, no. You have St. Patrick's Day for the Irish fighters. Yeah. But yeah, we need to have like a Juneteenth fight or something. Well, the Charlos have been doing the Juneteenth fight. Nah, so they, nah, they, nah, they nah, co-opted nah. Juneteenth for you the have to You have to fully embrace what it is. Like, Cinco de Mayo is fully embraced. I mean, they're from Texas, right? Like, that, if someone's going to do Juneteenth, it should be Texas. Nah, why? And like, they're Texas fighters. Yeah, so? I'm just saying, you need to, like I'm saying, Cinco de Mayo's in Vegas, right? But they've made it a festival. Yeah. Right? We got the same. St. Patrick's Day is like a festival. In New York. yeah. Juneteenth is not, not like no. somebody needs to carry that and say, look, this is our day. We're fighting for our freedom. We're beating, <laughs> we're gonna beat up white people. Uh, I don't know. Everybody. Don't know. Yeah, yeah, we're just beating up everybody. Everybody catch these hands. Yeah, but black people do not have a day that we fight. We just fight any day. No, like that's you not true. When, when we, I asked Deontay Wilder about have, Black History Month, I got in trouble. Yeah. I mean, technically, if you are black, you, should, you could fight in February and then fight in Juneteenth and then be rolling, right? Those yeah, you should. Two things. But, no, we have two holidays. And we have someone fighting on them. What? They're not our holidays, but they're our holidays. We got the Ratchet holidays. Memorial Day weekend. Oh, God. And Labor Day weekend. And we got Tank Davis fighting on both. Yeah, yeah. Tank, I mean, Tank has taken over the Ratchet holidays. The fact that he's going to New York for this Ratchet holiday is a little weird. Like, but it should have been Miami. Tank, Memorial Day, Miami, live. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, in LA once, September. Like, it's kind of like saying NBA All Star Weekend's a holiday. Like, we should have a fight during NBA All Star Weekend. Tang Davis would do it. Yeah, he would. He was like, oh. <laughs> like we're taking all. Where are the Negroes going to be at this weekend? Oh, All Star Weekend, I'm there. NBA All Star Weekend. Like, yeah, I just, I just like to see us fight. You know, Malcolm X Day fight, something like that. Right? right. We don't have a Martin Luther King Day fight. Because then people would be like, he was for peace. So why are you kicking yeah. ass? I, kick I ass. would. I would again. I'm problematic right now, but I, I would love, I would love like an Atlanta fighter to come up and have like a freak Nick fight weekend every year. Man, you're going to get me too on this damn show. <laughs> no, 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 not no. like old school. Freak. Like just bring back like the, the vibes of the weekend. The vibes were problematic. The can vibes call were it me fight, too. Fight Nick? Is there a freak Nick? You're doing a lot. Can we, can we like put like a weekend together? I'm just, I'm it, spitballing here. You know I'm, who I'm trying to find this? us a holiday. You know what network would do this? Thriller. Oh, Triller <laughs> Triller oh, would be what? like, fight Nick. What? And we'll do a concert? Headlined by two live crew? Well, yeah, what's Luke what? Campbell doing these what's, days? What's Uncle Luke doing right now? So you'll fight and then you get <laughs> G-strings and butt cheeks. Oh, me so horny? Ring walk? Winner. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's so horny ring walk. Yeah. Wrap yeah. it into the ring? We oh, got to be careful because at, at a certain point, my wife is like, you're not going to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you need to stay home. That is where we draw the line. All the it's gone too like, far. No. <laughs> the me so horny fight? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> you need to stay. You are a father of two. You stay home. Oh, my God. Me so horny. Yo, you stay home. That is a thriller production. Adrian Broner? Oh, man. Tell me he wouldn't headline that. They'd be, yo, there'd be a fight, there'd be a fight, and then there would be, like, an adult film festival <laughs> the same weekend. <laughs> It'd be like, yo, yo, I just pictured Pinky sitting ringside, and I lost my mind. See her later this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Riding the pole at 3 a.m. at King of Diamonds. Oh, my God. Yo, someone tell Malaya I'm on fire. She should work tonight. Oh, my Lord. Shout out to Drake. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting all the legends out, baby. All hey, the legends. Hey, where's the camera? Uh, where's- Give me this camera. <laughs> Give me this camera. Do not take this shit. <laughs> this is ours. We just made this up. Contact us if you would like to uh, steal our idea of Fight Nick in Atlanta. <laughs> Like, oh, thriller. Don't do not do it without us. So let's put us on commentary or something. Look, they're having Barstool do commentary for Canelo, right? We can do commentary for Fight Nick, all right? And then the porn convention that follows that. Yes, and then the strip. yes, yes. This is ours. We own this. It's our oh, idea. Oh, my God. I got you. I see you. Me, I see you all commentary. I... I need Brian. Sponsored by Hennessy. I need Brian Pumper to be on color commentary. No, we don't need Brian Pumper. <laughs> he gotta be. He gotta be like the Snoop Dogg. You've gone dog. too far. I don't. I don't. I, don't, no? I can't have Brian. Special Pumper. guest Roxy Reynolds. We need all of the legends. Look, it'd be yes. It'd be sponsored. <laughs> it'd be sponsored by Hennessy, and it'd be like, yeah, let's do it. But it, see, I, I got to do the Hennessy Pure White. Thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm classy, so it needs to be Hennessy XO or Hennessy Pure White. It can't be just Hennessy. I need the upper echelon of Hennessy. I got oh, friends that man. work for Hennessy. This thing's gonna happen, damn it! I feel good about this now. <laughs> we're making, hey, and we're the, bringing producer Cole Bebe with us. Oh, we're, oh, hey, we're turning what? producer Cole Bebe out. <laughs> that, the, the hair, he's gonna come back with a fade Yo, and a goatee with I, a pencil. He's gonna choice. come back with the cornrows, looking like your Ryan Faber. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's, yes. This is how, and, and for the listeners, and they gonna put some paint in his beard. Hey, just right here for the listeners. Just y'all didn't know this. We didn't have an opening for this show. We sat down. <laughs> we didn't have shit. We were like, what are we talking about, right? Because it's oh a busy week. God. Now we have gold. Off the cuff. Because this is what we do. This is what we do. We come up with the most ignorant, nonsensical madness. This is why cuff. we need a rundown. It keeps us from doing yeah. this. The, like, don't give us, like, if you give me cue cards, I'll mess everything up. But if you oh, let me go off the man. cuff, we have gold. Fight magic. Fight Nick. Fight Nick in Our Atlanta location. 2023, sponsored by Hennessy XO. Oh with an after God. party at wherever strip club in Atlanta, Magic City. Magic uh, City Wings? Yeah, also be sponsored the by meal. Lemon Pepper Wings. Let's do it. We'll invite Lou Williams. Lemon Pepper what? Yeah, we, we'll go. invite Lou Williams to pull up because it's, it's on you, right? Like, <laughs> it's like it's on you. We, we have a uh, halftime. We do Battle of the Bands with Morehouse and Spellman. We, you know, nice. if, you, if you got college oh. ID, you know, you get in for a half price. Yeah, taking it all back. That's your roots right there. That's, From, hey, that's your, that's your roots. That's your black. That, like I'm, I'm super broke in college. Oh, I yes. need that half off of my student Flash ID. That ID. Man, listen, that man, I got no strip club half off of my college ID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ass. As ratchet as the fight would be, the weigh-ins would be worse because oh. it'd be open to the public. It, oh my god! What? Yeah, it'd be madness. Uh, but there oh, would probably man. be. Uh, I got to rock a bottom grill. 
Like yeah. during during commentary. Yeah. Just stick the grill in the bottom. Let's go. There would have to be like security checkpoints everywhere. <sighs> somebody's going to try to mess my stuff up. Somebody's going to bring it. Now nah, we got to invite Jay Prince. <laughs> that's all we need. Yes. That's all we need. Yes. <laughs> Jay Prince, if you're listening to this, you don't, well, I can't even tell him not to steal it. You can have it. Like, <laughs> if you want it, you can have it. I ain't going to fight you over it. Just cut me in, please. Just cut me in. Oh, Jay Prince is coming stand outside. Yep, no, ain't no security. Yo, did you did you guys talk about this? Yeah, on Sunday. Yo, after the fight, like when the whole thing with Shakur, like Shakur runs off. Yeah, Shakur runs off stage because his mom can't get in the press conference. There's like this big thing, and everybody's running around. Oh. Jay Prince didn't move a muscle because Jay Prince was like, "Am I gonna have to get my belt?" Because if Jay Prince goes out there, he's gonna beat everybody. <laughs> He didn't move a muscle. Like everybody else, like even me, I was like, yo, I'm not going out there if they start shooting. Jay Prince didn't even get up. Yes. If James Prince wants this, he can have it. Yeah. I yeah. ain't fighting him for it. Rest of y'all though, gotta pay up. <laughs> pay what you owe. Oh, man. All right. We gotta talk about the fight. Uh, Canelo versus Baval. That doesn't even matter anymore. I'm no, in the ring, that's a million dollar idea. Triller is legit gonna cut us the check. Like that's right up their alley. I'm going out there next week. <laughs> so, you tell them. Yo, holla at us. Uh, Canelo versus Baval in the ring. I mean, I don't see this going any different than Canelo Kovalev, which I watched the other day. I, I do see it going different than Canelo Kovalev. I think. Because remember, Canelo was losing that fight before he stopped Kovalev. I didn't have him losing, but I, I had Kovalev, yeah. like It was it was a competitive fight. But I, I don't think Canelo's coming into this fight. He fought Kovalev like, I'm going to stop you late. That's how he fought Kovalev. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to wait, wear you down, I'm going to stop you. Baval, I think he's fighting a different fight. I think this might look a lot more similar to the Callum Smith fight, where he pounds on him, though the man can't punch anymore. I don't think he's going to stop him. Baval's, he's strong, big Russian dude to fight. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't knocked out people for a while, but if you look at what he did to Joe Smith Jr., you look at what he did to John Pascal, he can fight. Mm-hmm. Here, I want to I clear something up. I posted on Twitter, I had a picture of Baval and Canelo, and I was like, how excited are you? And the people was like, I'm so tired of him ducking people. And I was like, it, Bivol's a nobody. Bivol's a champion. Yep. A major world title holder. He's not like NABF. <laughs> <laughs> he's not the interim or the regular. No, he's not like the Continentals. Yeah. No, he's an actual champion. He's undefeated. I mean, I want to see him fight Charlo. Who is Charlo B? I, I hate when people do this because they're like, he's ducking Charlo. Who has Charlo B? Canelo's resume is 100 times better than Charlo's. Easily. I, I want to see him fight Benavides. Me too. But if Benavides didn't trick off his WBC title twice, he would have had the fight by now. Canelo, and I'm going to say this, don't you steal this, and I'm working on a graphic right now. <laughs> Canelo... Social team. <laughs> because somebody's going to come up with his graphic and it'll look great. Canelo is Omar when it comes to world titles from The Wire. Oh, I just compared Jay Prince to Omar in the no, last show. Canelo, There's a lot of wire speak yeah, on but, this show. <laughs> but if you got a world title, you hear that whistle, but oh, Canelo coming, and you run because he's coming to get your title. Canelo still has a challenger mentality, which is really weird. He's still the challenger. In every almost fight. Almost every fight. <laughs> like, he's not, his thing is like, defend world titles. Like, are you going to make me? If you're not making me, I'm going to go get somebody else's title. Yep. So it's like, if you got a drug stash and that's your world title and you hiding it, Canelo's like, I'm coming to get that. <laughs> Canelo wants your world titles. And I respect it when people say he's ducking people, like, go get a world title. He'll come for yours too. Yep. You want that heat? Canelo will come to steal your stash. I mean, Top Rank has pretty much understood that, right? They're just like, yo. Centralize the stash. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you might not cover both. Yeah. 
But if we bring all three to one guy, he coming for him. Yeah, now, now it's like they, they think, you know, it's setting the trap. You know, yeah. the, the trap with the box and the stick. Canelo's not dumb enough to follow for the box and the stick yeah. track. He's going to take the cheese underneath. Yes, but he will come and everybody will watch him come to get those belts. Yep. But I hate that narrative. I, you know, then it was like he was ducking black fight. I was like, y'all got to stop. He just fought. He just fought Daniel Jacobs not too long ago. Three years ago today. And people were like, who is Daniel Jacobs? He had only lost one fight at the time. He had re- watched, rinse, and repeat Peter Quillen and a bunch of other people. He was legitimate. Yep. Canelo fighting Bivol. And, and the other thing I, I just realized, Canelo's like always four to five inches shorter than all of his opponents. <laughs> Every time. He's so small. He looks like Tyson going against the heavyweights yeah. back in the day. So I don't see this, I don't see this fight going like Cole. I don't think he'll stop Bivol, but I think as the rounds go on, he'll just put on a clinic. And he likes to entertain. And he knows the Golovkin fight's coming up next. Yeah. So it's going to be Canelo, by decision, pretty one-sided. But I think Bivol might give him a little trouble because Canelo have to figure out, how do I get around that jab? Yep. Bivol's got a great jab. But after that, it's all Canelo. Nothing to worry about. Nope. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think he stops him late. Just because, like, I've seen Bivol get touched. I've seen, it's not like Joe Smith Jr. had a ton of power. No. Pascal didn't have a ton of power. But in those fights, like, I, I've seen him cut up a little bit. I've seen him touch. Because to land that jab, as good as he is, it's not like he circles around and defensively throws the jab. He's still kind of coming forward. Right. And it's a jab to set up other punches. But the other punches just aren't power punches, really. But he, he lands a credible amount for his size. So he's going to stand in trade. And I just think outside of Triple G, no one's proven that if you're, if you're not on your bike, then if you stand anywhere remotely next to Canelo and throw your hands at him, you're going to get stopped. If you decide, like Calvin Smith, to be like, yo, I can't use my arm. I'm not even going to stand and trade. I'm going to shell up and chill and walk around. But Billy Joe Saunders opened up a little bit, eight uppercuts for it. It was a wrap. Got wrecked. Um, I mean, Caleb Plant at a point stopped throwing, and he was still a rap. Like, if if you're not on your bike, if you're not Laura, if you're not someone like Callum Smith, big credit to him. He's slicker, and we've seen him when he moved up. Now, what he can do, and yeah. he's he's that good. If you're not slick enough to just avoid Canelo and survive, he's going to stop you. And I, I just don't know if Baval is if he has that slickness to his game. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, look. <coughs> it, would I be surprised if Canelo stopped Bivol? Absolutely not. I wouldn't be surprised by decision either. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised by anything. The yeah. only thing I'd be surprised is if Canelo lost. Yeah. That's it. Other than that, it's like... And, and he gives away rounds. So him losing wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Only because the judges, like, giving it to Bivol would be on. But Canelo knocked out stiff is the only thing that would surprise me. I mean, that would be, like, mind-blowing. I mean, the night that Pacquiao got sent to hell is, is still on my mind. <laughs> with Lion King. <laughs> but, like... Canelo, the reason why he's one of the greatest fighters of this era, and I just did a, a video, and it'll be out on Sporting News like today, called The GOAT, right? Where does he stack up? And what I did is I compared what Canelo was at 31 to, you know, the likes of Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. 31 is an interesting age in boxing because Manny Pacquiao, at the age of 31, beat Antonio Margarito, became an eight-division world champion. He went 10-5 and five after the age of 31. Sugar Ray Leonard beat Marvin Hagler. At 31, went 2-2-1 two, two, and one after 31. It's like, mm. that's the cliff. It is the cliff. 
The only there's only two people or well, three who completely obliterated Floyd. Yeah, Floyd was 36 when he beat the 23 year old Canelo. Yeah, yeah. And Bernard Hopkins, because Bernard was who got better, better after 31. <laughs> which is like people talk about drug. Like, what drug is he on? Because he was he beat the shit out of Tito. Trinidad. Man's on rough life drug. <laughs> like, yeah, prison. Was like I was, I was in prison. Yeah, what? yeah, taking punches for money. And easy. The only other the other person that really defied it was Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was fantastic. They took his best years away, but that was between 26 and 29. When he got out, he fought George Foreman, the Fraser trilogy, Kenny Norton. But the, 31 is like the cliff. The common trend between those three guys you just mentioned is that they all had rather significant breaks in their fighting career. Floyd, Floyd year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Floyd went a year and a half. So that's three years total. Hopkins, we've mentioned. Yes. Hopkins had a significant break. Ali had a significant break between those. So you may be at the age of 31, but you weren't fighting four times a year in your 20s. Right. Canelo has the mileage of a 31-year-old. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's the, the Yeah, that's the difference. So it's those other guys, you're like, oh, they can still be good after that. It's like, yeah, but they didn't have the miles on them. I would argue Triple G has been pretty good after 31. I mean, we're going to really find out, right, with Triple G, right? Yeah. Like, he beat Murata, but it's like, it's a little bit different with Gennady because it's like, we can't, he was a killer before, but he didn't really blossom until he was past 30. Like, I'm talking about guys who were excellent in their 20s. And they were talking about them being all-time greats. Like, when I was looking at the, uh, when I was doing the stats, I was like, you know, people like, is he the great, Julio Cesar Chavez is still the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. I was like, mm-mm. No. He was, lost to Sweet Pete. Well, yes. <laughs> everybody knows that he lost Sweet Pete. And ended up being a draw. When Chavez was 31, he was 91, 1-1. One one. Yeah. He had a draw against Pernell Whitaker, and he lost to Frankie Randall. Mm-hmm. Frankie Randall was an 18-1 underdog that night and beat Chavez. Who did Canelo lose to? Floyd Mayweather. Yep. Floyd Mayweather was not an underdog in that fight. He was the favorite by a mile, as he always is. So Canelo has like the better resume. Like the only two Mexicans are to me are Ruben Olivares and Julio Cesar Chavez, and I think Canelo surpassed them. It's just a matter Marquez of Marquez not in your conversation. No, as the greatest. I like, mean, a lot of people put Marquez. I think I think Marquez is the greatest counterpunching Mexican I've ever seen in my life. The man had timing down to a science. Yeah, but Marquez lost to Tim Bradley. He lost. I mean, he's lost fights, right? Yeah. Marquez, Mar- Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, they're falling that same boat. Okay. Right? I think the epitome has always been Chavez because the fact is, like we just saw this past week, as soon as Chavez walks into a building, he's the biggest star. Yeah. <laughs> like, man's old as hell. His yeah. kids are fighting and they're washed up. They're not as big as a star as he is. And like I said, Ruben Olivares, if you go back and watch that man in the 60s and 70s, that was a scary, 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 scary guy. Yeah. Those, that's like the epitome of the Mexican fighter. And I think Canelo, what separates him from Chavez and a lot of the guys, his defense. Doesn't get hit. Yeah, not anymore. Like, he's just, he's mastered the art of hit and not get hit. That upper body movement, it, it's like the best. Yep. We, when we talk about Mexican style, Canelo's like redefined that. Yeah. He's just, he's like, me punch, I punch you, you punch me, and we'll see what happens. Canelo's like, I ain't with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I fall forward and I learned my lesson. Like, the best thing to do is to not get hit. Yep. And he's mastered that. So he may have um, a LeBron James like, after 31. Because he's taking care of himself. He looks great. No, he's phenomenal shape. And when... Another good thing that I noticed about him... And he fights a lot, right? Yeah. But he's not... 
the guy who's just like, yo, I'm constantly in camp. No. He goes to the gym, gets a little work in on the bags, on the mitts, something like that. Stays in perfect shape. But he's not sparring outside of camp. Like, he's not doing... He golfs. Yeah. He relaxes. He chills with the fam. Like, that that balance on your body is what carries you when you're older, too. Yep. Like, DC mentioned that in MMA. And he was just like, you, you have to know how to train smarter when you get older. And he was like, if I trained smarter when I was younger, like, the, the wrestling years robbed him of his knees. Yep. Man had no knees by the time he started MMA. So it was like Canelo started training smart younger. So maybe that elongates his prime as well. I don't know if you had this because when I was a kid, like I used to run and like jump on my knees. And my pops was like, stop doing that. You're going to fuck up your knees. Yeah. And yeah. I would never listen. And that's what most fighters do. They go in there like, stop having wars. It's going to take a toll on you later. And fighters never listen. I never listen. I was like, I'm going to jump on my knees. I'm, you don't know what you're talking about, old man. Knees then one day like I was like, damn, <laughs> my knees hurt. And then I go tell the next generation, stop. I tell my daughter, she does it. I was like, stop jumping on your knees. She looks at me like, daddy, I can do this. Yeah. You have to be cognizant of like the future. Yep. And taking care of yourself. Like that's why LeBron has become so great. Is because he was like, oh, I have to alter my game now. Tom Brady. Yeah. Man is eating avocados like every morning for the past decade. Right. And we're going to talk about the UFC in a minute. Like Justin Gaethje's here for a good time, not a long time. No. <laughs> With that fighting and style. And he, he understands this. He knows it. And he's like, if, I'm, if I can recognize it, I'm fine. Yeah. But there's a lot of fighters who go out there and bang. And be like, just let me bang, bro. And then when they hit 30, they just fall off a cliff because yeah. like they can't take the punches anymore. I'm very interested to see Max Holloway in his 30s. Yeah. You got, like, defense has got... His defense, 20s has been a good time. But, yeah. Woo. Defense, diet, those are key yep. when you get older, right? It's like, you got to change your ways. And I think Canelo, what separates him is he, like, he became a defensive-minded counterpuncher. Yep. And who can be offensive when he wants to. That's why Floyd was so great. That's why Bernard Hopkins was so great. Bernard never got hit clean. You couldn't hit him clean. Mm -hmm. And he didn't shoulder roll and none of that stuff. He just knew how to take away your weapons. The best fighters who last the longest get punched the least. Really simple. Simple. <laughs> like, people don't want to understand. Oh, but he's not exciting. All right. Floyd may not have been exciting, but... Like they said, the Shakur fight wasn't exciting. <clears throat> like, all right, you're going to be bored to death for the next 15 years. Yeah, like... Because he's not getting hit. Yeah, he's not getting hit, and he's going to make you do this forever. Yeah, <laughs> and you, I want to see him take a risk. For you? <laughs> like, he got a bunch of... He got millions on the line. Yeah. You got entertainment on the line, which yeah. you'll forget tomorrow. Get over yourself. Exactly. Um, let's hit our first break. We're coming back, giving our UFC... 274 predictions. We're going to run down that entire card. Um, and then Ovin St. Pru is joining us to wrap up the show. Tons to talk about with him. I mean, he's been at the top of the tops. He's, uh, you know, gone through lulls, bounced back. Man, just such an interesting UFC career. So can't wait to chop it up with him. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. All right, everybody, we are back. Put Fight Nick on the back burner for a second. Man, and all man. of our, our plans, we're getting that in the works. It's time to talk UFC. Dre, I don't think UFC would, would really uh, buy into no, our Dana, idea. No, Dana that. would not be It's not a Dana White type of the no. event. No, I don't, I don't think so either. Um, it's all right, we'll take it to boxing where people are way overpaid. Uh, <laughs> if, if, you, if you know, you know. So, time to talk UFC 274. Good 
fight card. I, I think I like it a little bit better in 273. It's, this is a great fight card. Yeah, so uh, great. The bar is very high. No, but I mean, look, man. You obviously got the title fight, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Is probably if you're looking, if you if you don't want to watch this fight, if you're like, oh, I don't know if I should watch, you're in the wrong. You're not a fan. No, this is this is. I'll get into nuts and bolts about it in a minute. But Nemanjus versus Carlos Barza is a rematch from the Ultimate Fighter finale when Carlos Barza won that title, which is great. Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. It's a damn good fight. Damn, near was a t- championship fight last year this time. Right. <laughs> then you have OSP and Shogun in a rematch. Yep. Which somebody got to go. Ain't nobody standing up for that full three rounds. And he opened the card with another loser leaves town match with Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon, which should be a great fight. They're being matched up properly. Yep. Then you also have like Chaos Williams on the card. Yeah, uh, you got Matt Snell. You got Mason Harrison. Like Andre Filo's on the card. On the in the early prelims, you got Ivanov, uh, Francisco Trinaldo. Like this is a pretty damn good UFC pay per view. But the the main event is. One of, fuck it, we're here now. Um, and we'll work our way backwards. So I just did my buy the numbers on Gaethje versus uh, Oliveira. Here's what you should know. Justin Gaethje has been in the UFC for nine fights. Yeah. He has 10 fight of the night bonuses. Sounds ridiculous, yeah, right? Yeah, math doesn't even math on that. He's math won, ain't math. He's won performance of the night and fight of the night numerous times. He, he has 111% bonus percentage rate. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Oliveira has the most performance of the night bonuses. So you're putting two guys in here who never have a boring fight. And they're fighting for a title. And then they have two completely different styles. Yep. You have Justin Gates, who just, you know, kill or be killed. And you have Charles Oliveira, who finishes people, but incredible submission artist. Fighting for a title in the main event? There's going to be bonuses galore. Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson are looking at each other like, yo, we got to bring a gun or something because <laughs> they're going to come take all the, the, the hardware for this fight. This could be a fight of the year. Yeah. This is a hell, this is an incredible fight. Not to mention, Justin Gaethje leads the entire lightweight division in significant strikes percentage. He's, he's not just wilding out throwing punches. He's landed 60% of his significant strikes. And we talked about earlier where it's like, yo, after 30 and stuff changes, He's been through war. He was in nine fights in the UFC, all tough fights, well, all wars. Before he got there, he was in nothing but wars. How about this? Charles, I mean, uh, Justin Gaethje has heard the judges' scorecards three times in his career. Three. Three. And what in was the, the three-round three round fight against Chandler? If it was five, that wasn't, go, that wasn't and, going to distance. And the Chandler fight's his only UFC fight that went to distance. His only, and that's because Chandler just didn't want to die that night. He was yep. like, I'm not going to die. Like, he just refused to die. Two more rounds and he would have been, been over. Yep. So you have a guy who just doesn't like the final bell. And Oliveira's the same way. UFC record holder in submissions and finishes. How is this not going to be a good fight? If this fight bores you, <laughs> bored. no way possible. I quit MMA. We're not covering <laughs> it anymore. If this fight sucks, I'm done. Gaethje's allergic to to horrible fight. No, so those leg kicks, those punches. Oh. I mean, Oliveira versus Chandler. Yep. Oliveira versus Poirier. Oliveira versus everybody. The guy doesn't have boring fights. This is going to be ridiculous. This is the best fight of the weekend. I'm going to be at Canelo Bavall, but no, <laughs> this is the screen, yeah. I'm going to be watching this fight real close. Right in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. So let's go through our predictions for this All right. fight real quick. Oh, one thing before we do predictions, did you see the post 
Where they have the background. And I was going to tell you they that. They have uh, Kamayev and Nate Diaz. Yeah. Are they trying to kill Nate Diaz so they can I, leave him alone? I love that fight. Like, like if you got to go, this this pro wrestling 101. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're tired of you talking about money and fights. Yep. We're going to give you both, and then you'll die. That's it. And then you can leave us alone. Yep. We're giving you a fight that's horrible for your, for your style matchup. <laughs> and a guy who's going to maul you, and you're going to make him a bigger star on your way Yeah, out. like, put him over. Nobody told Nate Diaz this, though. Nobody told Nate Diaz no. you're putting over Hamzat Kamayev. Even though I would love... Listen, I don't want Hamzat to lose. But maybe at the end of a round... Oh, no. Nate throws up the triangle. Double birds. Yeah, people go nuts. And that'd be the, that'd be the <laughs> highlight of the fight. Like, the yeah. Leon Edwards fight. Leon Edwards beat Nate Diaz's ass the entire fight. Nate Diaz lands one punch. That's the highlight. That's it. Lands the punch points at him. No follow-up. Yeah. If, if that fight is true for Independence Day weekend, that's going to be a pretty big deal. But I feel like Nate that, Diaz... O'Malley. Yeah, O'Malley's on the card. Hey, he's finally getting a... If, if this if board true. is true, O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz is an excellent fight. Great fight. And Cheeto Vera just beat the piss out of Rob Font. Yep. So I know that fight's down the line. There's, it looks like they're, they're figuring out the independence day because obviously uh, Connor's not ready. John Jones and is not happening at, for that independence day weekend. Well, you go further down on that league board... Allegedly, it's July 30th. Yeah, allegedly. Like, we'll see. But if, yeah. that's, if that's what we're getting to, all right, let's get to it. But uh, right now, let's focus on 274 and get out of here. Yeah. Um, let's start from the bottom then. Work our way back up. Uh, instead, let me make sure nothing on the prelims that we have to talk about. No, nothing too crazy. No, no, none we have to give a prediction for. I mean, just some great fights. Yes. I, I would go three finishes out of four would be my prediction on the prelims. So if you want to turn in and see, tune in and see violence for free on ESPN, have at it, because that's a good uh, warm-up to the main card. Then we have Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. It's tough. Um, give me the cowboy ready to ride again. Me too. At least for one more night. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, you know how the sun, the sun sets and the moon's coming out and shit? <laughs> it's like streetlights coming on, you can go home. But, it, you know, cowboy Lozon... They're, they're looking at this and be like, man, we got to get fired of the night. Any other night, they probably get fired of the night. Yep. Probably not tonight. Nah. I think this could end up being one of the most exciting cards that we've seen in a long time in terms of main cards. If you look at this main card, it's ridiculous. With the exception of Namunas and Sparza, which won't be terribly exciting, I don't think. This fight, I'm picking Cerrone. Uh, yeah. if, if Cerrone loses, you got to retire. That's it. They both got to retire, whoever loses. Lozon has fun three years. That's true. <laughs> like, it's... It's over. Loser. It's the loser leaves town match. Like, literally. Leaves the sport. Yeah. Not, not Bellator, not PFL. You out of here. Go home. Yeah. Your family man. They, like, you lose, and they should call security to make sure you, you like, get your shit out of your locker and put it in. They, they go put it in out. the trash bag, like <laughs> WWE. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Mickey James, your ass. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go. Like, we're not giving you the option to come back. Uh, it's over. Is it? Yeah. So, I'm picking Cerrone. And then, I'm taking Cerrone to... By finish. I don't think this goes the distance. No. Either way. Um, then we have light heavyweight. We just, we're going to speak to Ovin St. Prince um, here in like Did 20 minutes. Did you just mix Ovin St. Prue with Jay Prince? Oh my God. Ovin St. Prue. That's a hell of a fighter. Yeah, thank you. Uh, OSP, we're going to speak to him in a couple of minutes. And then we have Shogun, who are on the other side of things. I'm taking St. Prue yep. for the win. Via Von Flutroke. <laughs> like, let's, let's get weird. I think he's going to knock him out again. 
I mean, I, th- I mean, getting Shogun to the ground to even put him in the choke is is very difficult because Shogun's coming to throw hands. Yeah, if twenty years of examples of Shogun showing up to throw hands. Um, if I asked Shogun's you, actually been really good lately. Though. Yes, I'm gonna ask you this question: Who's if I if I told you that Shogun, who is three years younger than Daniel Cormier, would you believe me? No. Yes. Was this man fighting at twelve? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's been fighting most of my adult life. No. Shogun is he just turned forty? Just turned forty in November. This man's been fighting like my entire adult life. Two years younger than Glover. Yeah, he came out kicking than out the, the champion. Yeah, like he's younger than DC. This division is just incredible. If there's any division in MMA where you can fight forever, it's two hundred five. Yeah, Glo- he's he's younger than Glover. Younger than Glover. Younger than the champion. He's like, I still got three years, baby. This son of a bitch fought in Pride. <laughs> Ain't nobody fighting in Pride in the UFC anymore. Pride never died. Yeah, like <laughs> Rampage ain't out here running these streets. Ricardo Arona ain't out here running these streets. But Shogun? Still here. Straight. Vandalay Silva, done. Head kicking people. Oh, man, if they brought soccer kicks back. Like, yeah, soccer. Yo, I, look, if you listen to this podcast and like it just kind of got you into MMA, you never watched the Pride card, get a free, just sign up for the UFC Fight Pass and just watch Pride for a weekend. Yeah. It'll change your perspective on <laughs> violence in MMA because Shogun kicked people to hell. Oh, my God. Vandalay Silva was a murderer. That's why when people talk about not Fedor not being the greatest heavyweight, and I'm like, did you watch Pride? Did you watch the people that Fedor fought? Did you watch the people that Shogun fought? Pride was Vandalay Silva looked like the dude off of Hitman. He's a murderer. Like, I was just like, oh, this guy's not real. The stare down, the hand shit. Or he looked like Baraka from uh, like a Combat. Mix. Yeah, yeah, Jason Statham and Baraka had a baby, which is wrong. And they'd be Vendelay, the axe mur- The man's name is the axe murderer. <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, if you call me and be like, hey, Andres, I got to fight for you. They're like, who am I fighting? And they didn't say his name. He's like, you're fighting the axe murderer. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> we ain't fighting the night. I'm going home. Yeah. Not for, mm-hmm. what, not for what Pride was paying either. No, no. No, no, sir. But, but, you know, at the same time, the Yakuza was like, you're fighting. He was like, all right, cool. I'm fighting. <laughs> Anybody. Say less. <laughs> Um, yeah, so give me OSP to win this, even though it's a good fight, 50 50 fight yeah. all the way through. Again, another one, not seeing the judges. No, I'm not. The judges might as well grab a pretzel. Dog, they might as, like, they should, you know, they should put like the crash test dummy, just like weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's, the judges. <laughs> they ain't gonna be needed on this night. Like, everybody's getting knocked out. They, they might have to show up for Rose and Carla, but other than that, weekend at Bernie's, all the judges. Yeah, they can phone that one in too. Um, Chandler versus Ferguson. Tony, I think, has hit the wall. Oh, he's done. And he is watched. And this is going to be a violent finish. Yeah. Chandler, second round knockout. I'll give Tony the respect of letting him last five minutes. That's tough. He's not the Tony he was. Second round KO. Uh, there's a few things I said when this podcast first started. Tony Ferguson's right. Like winning streak and record was always blown up. You always said it was like, like if you look at it, like, yeah, yeah, like when you watch him fight striker, it's a different story. And when he fought Justin Gaethje, like it was like Rip Van Winkle, like when he went to sleep, woke up with the beer. Like every punch added a year to Tony's life. <laughs> so Tony like entered that fight in his thirties, like the video game where you die. Yes, you, seafood, seafood. Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson was in seafood and died, and is at the final boss at his age seventy seven years. <laughs> like yo, like. Every time Justin Gaethje hit him, I saw, like, Tony age. And he, like, became a grandfather by the end of the night. Right? So now, then, you know, he fought Oliveira, and Oliveira just plashes in the canvas. Yep. Michael, Michael Chandler ain't about that I'm putting you on the canvas life. He's, I'm about to kill you life. 
Tatum's got something to prove. Tony Ferguson, as great as he was and has been, and everybody wants to see the Habib fight, I'm glad that fight didn't happen because Habib would have murdered him. I think Chandler just kind of nukes him. But the thing about Ferguson is, is he's super tough. So it's not like he's going to get knocked out. And if he does, then it's time to call it a career. But like Justin Gagey beat him up. Yeah. Like beat him until it was like, yo, your soul is falling out of your ear. Like I'll beat you, separating your body from your spirit kind of beat him. Chandler's going to try to do the same thing. Chandler's going to win this fight. And it might be exciting, but I don't, I don't, I just can't see Tony Ferguson winning this fight. If Tony Ferguson wins, Michael Chandler, you might just got to go back to Bellator. <sighs> yeah, that's tough. It is tough. I mean, he could beat other top 10 guys. He could. But, but he, he they're feeding be. you to the lines. <laughs> yeah. They, they wasted no time with Chandler. There was no tune-up fights. No. Um, and then we have co-main event, Rose Nama Yunus versus Carla Esparza. This is a whole different fight than the two people who met, was it six years ago now? Yeah, that's when Carla... Inaugural... Yes, and Carla just put Rose on, on her the back. ground. Yeah, the whole wrestled fight. her. Ain't not, the same Rose. No. Five rounds? Rose is getting out of here in three. Possible. Um, Carla's gotten a lot better in terms of her striking. She's a little bit more competent with her striking. She's more confident, which worries me. Well, She's yeah. going to try to stand up more. Before she knew her striking was trash, she put on the d- dirt, and that was it. Yeah. Now she's going to try to stand up? What? Well, yeah. If, if she has an inkling to think, oh, maybe my— you know, Rose will—look, Rose knocked out Joanna. Yeah. You don't want that smoke. <laughs> like, you can't come with that—Cookie Monster, you look for the take—you shoot for a double leg before they say fight. She you shoot be- for a double leg during the Bruce Buffer intros. I would, put love, on her back. I would love for Rose to come out and just go full— Jorge Masvidal, flying knee to open it. Yeah. Just stiff. This is the only fight that has the potential to go the distance in my mind. Yeah, me too. And I'm still picking a knockout. Yeah, and if Rose puts her in the dirt, I mean, that's what I'm picking. I'm sorry, Carla. You worked your way back into a title fight. There's no denying that. You did everything you were supposed to do. And I know she knows she's fighting a different fighter. Yep. But the problem is, is that Carla hasn't evolved enough to be a completely evolved Rose Namajunas. Nope. So, yeah. Rose by stoppage. Rose gonna, is like 23 when she lost that yeah. first fight. I'm going to pick Rose in fourth round, and then I'm going to pick Pat Barry to jump on the cage, and he'll be the star <laughs> of the show. Uh, then main event, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, champion Charles Oliveira. For the record, on this show, I think I looked at it the other day, I've picked Charles Oliveira to lose the last <laughs> six times. <laughs> last six times. Um, I'm making it seven. You're picking him to lose. Picking him to lose. I'm not picking against Justin Gaethje. And I know Justin Gaethje can lose. I've seen him lose. I've seen Oliveira become a machine. Talking about someone who started super young. Yeah. Took his lumps at 23, 24, 25. It clicked. Rolling. Hasn't lost since? Nope. So, I mean, the guy is incredible. But it's Justin Gaethje. I've always wanted to see Justin Gaethje be a champion in the UFC. This is his last chance, in my opinion. Let's get it. All right. So here's a couple of things that's important to know about this fight. Charles Oliveira knocked out Michael Chandler when Justin Gaethje couldn't. Yep. Charles Oliveira is a competent striker. He's more well-rounded than Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje, just, he just doesn't care, right? Like, whatever you're doing, he's coming to do whatever he wants. Justin Gaethje's been knocked out by Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, who Charles Oliveira also beat. Yep. And now he's coming in for a title fight. The hard part about this fight is when Gaethje got submitted by Habib, it's because Habib has phenomenal takedowns. 
Charles Oliveira doesn't have great takedowns. He will slither his way around you, find an appendage, try to rip it apart, try to choke you. But he's got to get close enough to wrap his arms around you. Gaethje's got great takedown defense. He doesn't get taken down very often. Yep. Chandler's going to have to find a way to get inside. But in order to do that, you got to deal with somebody who's going to kick and throw hands at you. Like a kicking and screaming child with Mike Tyson power. <laughs> it's not yes. fun to do. It's like trying to... It's like double dutching with like spiked ropes is yeah. what you got to do with Justin Gaethje. But I think Charles Oliveira can actually do it. Somebody's getting knocked out or submitted. I'm going to pick Oliveira by rear naked choke. Okay. I think there's going to be a point in time, just like the Chandler fight, where Oliveira's going to get hurt. But he's very... Uh, he recovers well. Yeah. Now, as long as it doesn't happen like a minute into the fight and then Gaethje has the whole round to kick your ass, then that's but bad. The resilience is there. Yeah. I think if, if Oliver can get close enough to work his way to Gaethje's back, Gaethje's done. If Gaethje can keep the fight at a distance, he can knock him out. I just, it's five rounds of that. That's so, what makes yeah. it so hard. So difficult. So my, my prediction is this wins like all these fight of the night bonuses. But yes, I think Oliver is going to Find a way to get Gaethje's neck. I'm picking the, the way he's going to stop him. Because I can't see him knocking him out. I can't see like an arm bar. I can't see a triangle choke because Gaethje's not going to take him down. I see either a guillotine or a rear naked take, choke. And I'm going to go rear naked because I feel like Oliver can do just enough to get to the fence, work his way around the back at some point in the, in the fight. And Gaethje won't be able to shake him and he'll get choked out. And not even, he won't tap. He's going to go to sleep. No, he's because Justin Gaethje. He'd he's rather a, die. He's nuts. He'd rather die. He's nuts. Like the man, like. He'd rather die than tap. Habib like, was like, I'm going to kill you. And Gaethje was like, just kill me then. He was like, listen, bro, I'm not. <laughs> I didn't get this business to kill people. So listen, you, we have to figure this out. This, this is what it's about, though, for Justin Gaethje. Um, now I'm picking a knockout by Gaethje. I mean, Charles Oliveira hasn't lost since he was knocked out by Paul Felder. 2017. Yes. He hasn't lost a fight. If he wins this fight, he's the second longest streak in lightweight history behind Tony Ferguson. It just feels like all the, the world is saying, well, it's time for Charles Oliveira to break all this shit. Yeah. Love Dubronx. No, I, it, it ends now. Huh? I mean, his other two losses before then, um, Pettis subbed him where he was like on top of Pettis. Pettis, <laughs> Pettis is, that's up. Pettis looks at, have you what, look, Pettis Instagram, he like points out fights that he won like in yesterday. Yeah. And people are like, dude, you're not doing it today. Yeah, Nate Diaz is doing the same thing on Twitter yeah. right now. Like, it's so random. Um, Ricardo Yamas submitted him. He went through some tough times. Um, Max Holloway knocked him out in, what, a minute. Yeah, it ain't happening now. Back in now. the day. No, none no, no, no. None, none of these people are doing it to him now. I mean, I don't know what Max can do. <laughs> Let me not discount Max Holloway. I, won't, I mean, you never do, but a Max at lightweight is a completely different Yeah, fight. so it's just one of those things where the guys who gave him problems five years ago is very in the molds of Justin Gage. Yeah. High volume. It's true. Awkward striking. It's true. Bunch of kicks. Yeah, I love Justin Gage. Any other opponent, I pick Justin Gage except for Khabib. But even that, I was like, that's the worst style matchup. This one, it just feels like Oliveira's got it. But if he gets knocked out, he gets knocked out. I wouldn't be mad if Gage won. No. No one would. Backflip time. Back backflip time. And then you know the next title defense is gonna be super exciting. Whoever it's against. It could be a rematch with Poirier. Like, yeah, hey, Connor, you want this smoke? Come get it. Oh my God, he's gonna kick that leg off. Connor just got his leg back. Yeah, well, he can hand it over. Be all bad. Uh yeah, so that's our UFC 274 preview. Amazing card. Can't wait to see how all this plays out. We gotta hit another break because on the way back, Ovin St. Prue is joining the show. Can't wait to chop it up with him about his upcoming fight against Shogun, and you know what? We got to ask him a little bit about uh, 
being in the frat and representing. Yeah, Omega Slap Five, man. I've been watching OSP for years, and I've seen him. And like my <laughs> Logan, who was on our show, was Omega yeah. Slap Five as well. We were watching something, and Logan was like, "There's a frat in the UFC," and he was like, "He watched every fight." <laughs> and I was like, "You don't even watch the UFC, but I watch him." Yep. So yeah, we got some questions. Brotherhood is tight right now. So uh, yeah, we'll hit the break when we come back. Chop it up with OSP. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back. As promised, we are joined by Owen St. Prue to close out today's show. OSP in the building. Thank you for joining us. Busy fight week. An incredible UFC 274 fight card coming up. First and foremost, heading into this fight. How are you feeling, man? How's, how's the body doing? How do you feel heading into this? A lot of people say you don't go into a fight 100%. Are you close? How are you doing? I mean, I'm definitely close. Uh, I mean, and, and the feeling about it or whatnot, it's weight cutting week, you know. I just need to get that out of the way once they get the weight cut out of the way. Whether your your weight cut is going to be spot on or whether it's going to be like a little hard, like weight cutting week is not fun at all. So, you know, I'm here surviving, but, you know, I get to I get to do what I love. And you get to do what you love against a guy that you fought before. Um, I need to know how this came together because – you already stopped Shogun. Year, it's almost eight years since you fought Shogun. This fight gets presented to you, and what is your initial thought? Are you like, he's still here? Like, what, what is the thought in your mind? I mean, it was really no thought, because I know he's always going to be around, but I always know, like, that fight left a bad taste in his mouth. And um, with that fight, I knew he always going to want to come back. It was actually probably back in, what, 2017, 2018, I was supposed to fight him again in Japan. Because I remember I was supposed to fight him and I was on the plane going to Japan and I didn't have an opponent because he pulled out probably. Actually, I found, I figured out, I found out he pulled out when I was at the airport going to Japan. Wow. So, um, it, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I left the bad taste in his mouth, I think, and, uh, he went to actually redeem himself because, you know, out of everybody he fought throughout his career, whether being in, you know, prior to UFC or, you know, all the organization that he fought in, um, I'm pretty much the one that did him really, 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 really bad. <laughs> <laughs> really, 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 really bad. Let, let, me, let me follow that up with this because when you fought him then, I don't know if you came to that fight saying, you know, damn, I'm fighting a legend. Now it's been years past and you're like the seasoned veteran. You're not the new guy on the block anymore. You are a guy that, he, like you said, left a bad taste in his mouth. But how do you look at Shogun going to this rematch? Is he just an opponent again? I mean, I, you know, all hands, like, you know, when I first started watching mixed martial arts, Shogun was one of my top fighters. I mean, he's still that guy. I mean, people, he walked in the room, everybody be like, man, that's Shogun. Everybody knows who the hell he is. But at the end of the day, when you're in there with me, you're just another guy. Because to be honest, I can I'm, I can have respect for you. That's cool. But when we end there, I don't even know you. You took, you the one who's try, trying to take my lunch money, and I'm going to make sure I get that back. Um, but at the end of the day, just like, I know what he wants to do to me in there. He's going to try to rip my head off. And guess what? I got to beat him to that. Going into a fight against someone like Shogun, where there's 20 years of tape on this man, right? Like there, there's really nothing new he's going to present. Is this a better situation for you where you're like, okay, I understand exactly what I'm getting into. Understand what, 
to prepare for? Is this even easier than maybe? Because at this point in career, you have to fight a lot of guys trying to make their name off of you. Is it easier to fight someone like Shogun where you know what he's going to bring compared to someone who's still climbing the ladder and maybe two, three years into the UFC? Um, you know, it, it's a flip side to that or whatnot. Cause you know, fighting the young bucks or whatnot, sometimes they want to go up and then, uh, get in the limelight pretty quickly and be like, Hey man, you need to slow down. Cause there's a lot of things you don't know about when you get up there. It's, it's, it's really hard to stay up there. But even with somebody like Shogun, he's just like, even though I wouldn't say he, he, he's a one trick pony, but he's just been in the game for so long. So those type of guys are scary. I think those type of guys are a lot more scary because, you know, they've been through that adversity. They've been like whatever type of, whatever you threw at them, they were like, this all, I mean, I've been done this before. Like, you know, they, they went in the fights before, you know, they probably had broken hands during the fight. They probably, you know, got knocked out during the fight and came back too. They've been through everything you can imagine during the fight. Those are the scary guys. I mean, and you're a guy who's been through a lot as well. I mean, you, you tried it at heavyweight. You you fought the best. You fought John Jones. Um, where are you at career-wise in terms of where you see yourself? Because you've done a lot. I mean, I guess the question is, what is left for you to do at this point in your career? Man, I think there's still a lot of opportunities for me, a lot of stuff to do. I, I Man, my number one goal from day one is to get the better around my waist. That's the, my number one goal from day one. It's still my goal to this day. But with saying that, like, even with me throughout my career, doing everything I need to do or whatnot, like, when it comes to, like, records and doing certain, th- doing certain stuff within the 205 division and whatnot, I never keep, kept track of that. I'm, I have a lot of, like, you know, like, attributes at the 205 division and that, that, that has my name next to it. I mean, the only guy that has most finishes than I do right now is Glover. And he's a champ. So, you know, I think most, even with the submission aspect of it or whatnot, I'm, I'm, I'm like ranked with the, for me, anything within the 205 division, I'm either ranked number one or number two and some things number three. So I feel like I got a lot more left in this game. With that being said, you mentioned the submissions. What's with the Von Flucho? Like, I mean, I've never seen anyone, one, effortlessly pull it off like you have. And then now it's become like your signature weapon. And now everyone goes into a fight and like, well, I probably can't even take him down because I, I know where this is going to end up. Um, what I, I heard you talk about pulling off the first time. But did you think this would be something that you pull off repeatedly and now become like a staple where people are calling it the Von Pru choke around MMA? I mean, you know, it's something that I that I did earlier in my career. Like, I used to do it in the gym, play around with it for a while. Then I remember I let it go. And then um, I guess one of the fights I was... I think we lost audio. Uh, I think... Okay, go ahead. Sorry, we lost your audio for a second. Keep going. Oh, my fault. No, you're I'll good. call it like the kind of like like the sucker choke or whatnot. Um, Cause literally there's been times where I'll grab somebody's arm and just wrap it around my head and they'll fall for it too. <laughs> and, you know, mixed martial arts people, people so used to being in positions or whatnot. I know where my favorite position is and that's one of my favorite positions. People be trying to pull their head out. I don't pull my head out. I stick it in 
And you, it'll be like, oh, okay, I can get a tighter bite on that. And I'm like, well, I can get a tighter bite on your arm too. So, you know, it, it works out perfectly for me just because, you know, it's something I've been doing since day one. One of the first kind of, I guess, submissions, one of the first kind of submissions my trainer introduced me to, to where like, I'm like, oh, people, people will be like, oh, you know, I just pull my arm out. I'm like, yeah, it's not that easy. It's <laughs> definitely not that easy. Uh, you've done a lot with that. I want to shift gears real quick because uh, I don't know how many people talk about this with you, but you're you're frat. You're a mega sci-fi. You you have bros that they watch you fight. I want to talk about this because we still live in this world where the, a lot of uh, African Americans are still learning about MMA. But how much do you feel like you've brought new fans to the sport? Because you've had you've had bro- like one of my friends is a mega sci-fi. Went to Morehouse, and when you fight. He's tuning in. He may not watch MMA at all, but when you fight, he was like, "I gotta, I gotta, you know, represent for my bro." Like, how important is that for you to you bring it to another audience? Um, now it's very important. It's like kind of one of my staples or whatnot. It's kind of, it's kind of one of the things how I got in, introduced into mixed martial arts. Really, because of one of my frat brothers. But it's crazy because, like, no matter where I go, like a lot of if I see him around or whatnot, they'd be like, "Hey." They'll, they'll see me and they'll be like, oh, you, are, are, you, are you the cues? And I'm like, all right, yeah, and we'll start talking. And they're like, man, you look so familiar, man. And then after, oh, you the fighting bros. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so they know who you are. So, because, you know, you know, my friend, we, we, tend to, we tend to have fun, but we're a little rambunctious and whatnot. But, you know, they definitely, when, when I fight, they definitely come out and support. That's dope. Yeah, man, it, it's become... One of the things, again, that people recognize you for off rip. And I know a lot of casual fans who, who don't understand one, like fraternity culture and all that stuff, but they see your fight. And the thing that jumps off the page is the branding and the brand, right? Yeah. Like, and people don't understand that and kind of like the, the meaning behind that and all that. Um, do you get a lot of people like commenting on that? Like, yo, that had to have hurt or how do you do that? Is that something where people like that you find yourself kind of having to educate people, especially in MMA, about, like, the culture behind that. Oh, yeah, definitely. There have been plenty of times where I've definitely had to educate people about, like, my brands. Like, if I'm after a fight, when I'm when I'm throwing up the hooks or whatnot, I have to, people, I've always had to educate people about that. And they never realized that, too. But also, too, like, with, with me, they're like, well, you know, there's guys that play football. I don't see them do that. And I'm like, you see them do it. They just have helmets on. All you see them throwing up the hooks. But other than that, we do it all the time. I was like, you know, Shaq is known for doing it. You know, Jordan be doing it. Like, you see people do it all the time. You just don't put two and two together because you just happen to see my full face. Here's a random question. because <laughs> If you're in a fight and they just randomly play the atomic dog in the middle of the fight, what's about to happen? <laughs> I might, I might, I, t- you know what's crazy about it? Like every single time they play Atomic Dog and like I'm somewhere and the, the minute it happened, like all of a sudden it's just that, that shoulder start, you start getting the neck rolled and they're like, <laughs> and you got to catch yourself and be like, wait, hold up, hold up. Like it just automatically kicks in. When you hear Atomic Dog, you'd be like, you want to jump at it right away. <laughs> so, but if it's a fight, are you able to tune it out? Like, I know it'd be like, oh shit, they're playing the top of the I, I got a decision to make here. Yeah. You're just in the corner. They're like, wave them down vastly. Just the shoulders start going. <laughs> no, I'll be, I'll be, 
I'll be probably able to tune it out, but like it'll be, it, I'll look at it and I'll be like, oh, okay. I, it'll probably end up making, if they do it in the middle of a fight, I'll probably be like, have a little bit of swag to me then. <laughs> like I know somebody's in there, but I'll probably end up having a little more swag to me. <laughs> I love it. Nah, man. We appreciate you taking the time out to come and speak with us during a fight week, during a tough uh, weight cut. So we really appreciate your time. Promise me one thing. Listen, people have been going on runs in MMA. You reel off five straight wins. You get your title fight. We need the full band. We need we need every, like the band walking you out, the big entrance. Uh, uh, we need Atomic bro. Dog. We need you strolling down the entrance. We need all that for a heavyweight championship fight. But I, if that look, I'm doing the same exact thing Dion was doing, Jackson State, off with the Aflac commercials and everything. Gonna have the brothers over there hopping and everything. I love it. I, I love, love it, it, man. I love it. Over St. Prue joined us today. Thank you so much, man. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Uh, it was great chopping up with OSP. Make sure you guys watch UFC 274. We just previewed the entire thing, gave our predictions for the card. We're getting back on the winning ways with our guests. OSP's bringing it home, hopefully via submission and via choke. So we appreciate all you guys for tuning in today. It was fun. By the way, we're moving to Wednesdays and Fridays starting next week. So make sure you guys adjust your uh, calendars. We'll be dropping shows on Wednesday and Fridays going forward from now on. So we appreciate everyone. In the meantime, follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Find us on YouTube as well. See our pretty faces as we talk about this. You can see us laughing and damn near not being able to catch our breath today during <laughs> Fight Nick and uh, getting that going. So it was incredible. Producer Cole Bebe on the ones and twos. Antoine in the booth as well. Appreciate y'all. Shout out to everyone at Blue, Blue Wire. Oh, Brian's in the building. I can never see Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Brian as well, making sure the lights are incredible. Do you see this lighting? <laughs> Do you see this lighting? Brian keeping us looking good in here. Um, so, no, we appreciate everyone. Blue Wire Studios here at the Wind Resort in Las Vegas. Till next time, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.